This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Stephen Satterfield. Stephen is the co-founder of Whetstone Magazine, host of the Point of Origin podcast, and he also worked in restaurants for more than a decade. Stephen is a source of clarity for me and for so many of his readers and listeners. I call them up with the aim of talking about empathy and what comes next for stories about food. You are about to hear his brilliant answers on those topics and so much more. We're back tomorrow with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Stephen. I really admire you as a storyteller who takes action. I'm wanting to search for some clarity with you about how reporting and stories can and should exist in this moment to spread news, to raise the level of empathy, to make sure the stories that need telling are being told. What are you up to and how are you doing this? Um, yeah, we are basically, well, for people who don't know, Whetstone, um, we are a print magazine and media company. Uh, first edition came out in March of 2017. Um, we make media um, in all forms about food origins, culture, um, and really culinary anthropology. So most of our work to date has been more rooted um, in the historical and the social and anthropological. Um, and so for us, you know, this moment has really um, crystallized our attention on um, the urgency of the moment that we're in. Um, and even though I think the framework that we began with as a media company um, was really useful, uh, as a foundational way to talk about food and explore some of these themes um, that we're now uh, witnessing as a result of COVID-19. Um, I think it's pretty clear for us that we have to, um, you know, become a little bit more explicit in connecting the dots between some of the things that we've talked about from a theoretical or historical perspective into the world that we live in now. One of the things Whetstone really excels at is combining an activist message with real beauty. I wonder now if the beauty of it serves us in the same way or if it's time to, to really start looking at ugly. Um, I think that we have the capacity to uh, observe ugly in a way that is, is beautiful uh, because I think the beauty is really more a commentary on the, the purity of, of the pursuit. Um, so the, the earnestness of, with which you're looking, you know? So... Yes, this is a moment where there's a lot of ugliness um, abound. Uh, I think there was a lot of ugliness before this happened. This is just on a scale that makes it impossible to ignore. Um, and so the only way that we can move forward, I believe, in a way that is um, healthy is to uh, focus on serving each other. Um, and I don't mean that in just like a, a narrow framework of like volunteering or something like that. I mean, uh, you mentioned like you are talking to people who are 
um, politicized in this moment who have never been and are now uh, working on legislation uh, to change the course of where we're heading in with the restaurant industry. Um, that is meaningful work and necessary work in this moment. Um, and uh, even though in some cases it might be in service to one's own organization, I think that on a policy level, um, any policy that helps advocate for money for workers, for healthcare for workers, for improved conditions for workers um, has to be seen as a net positive just because of the uniqueness of the moment that we're in where uh, changes that a lot of us have been calling for for a long time really do have the capacity to be adopted and pretty swiftly as well. It's kind of amazing to see an all new labor movement spring up virtually overnight. Yeah. I know. I, uh, I'm still like reconciling with it. You know, I don't really know, um, if any of us have the capacity to properly appreciate, um, how, uh, substantive and, and how, um, quickly this all is and, and all, is all happening. Um, I'm encouraged, uh, by some of the conversations or the receptivity to, um, you know, labor advocacy um, that I am hearing from people in the industry as a result of this. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think I found myself in a, um, in a position of uh, a circular dialogue in which, <clears throat> on the one hand, uh, I, like many, am devastated at the collapse um, of the industry that we love that has, you know, made me who I am and um, really contributed to all of the parts of my life that I love the most. Um, but the industry was, uh, was deeply flawed, you know, and the industry that we love and that we're fighting for um, was already on its last legs. And so I think that we have to bring um, a, a good measure of, uh, intellectual honesty to these discussions about the industry that we're saving um, and advocating for um, and that it, it was there were some problems underlying um, before this even happened. I think it takes a disaster of this magnitude in a way to create some equity and some equitable outcomes. Yeah, we can hope. We can hope. So that's what we're focusing on um, is, you know, everyone's got to play their position. For us, we're a media company. Um, and so we look at our role um, as a role of an amplifier. Um, of course, we have a point of view um, that we feel solid and connected to. It is always going to be a point of view that advocates um, for the most marginalized, for the people who are working the closest to the earth. Um, and many of the workers in food service right now who we now deem as essential, even though it's not reflected in their compensation, um, that's where our allegiances are going to lie. And um, to the degree that people are willing to tune into whatever messages that we're putting out there right now, I think, you know, it, we feel it is our responsibility to um, support and amplify uh, these burgeoning movements. The most recent Whetstone came out in January. It's the fifth issue. Had you started issue six? And how is COVID-19 going to affect the stories you tell in that issue? Yeah, we actually, um, we have enough content right now to release uh, our sixth volume, which is great. 
um, we are less sure about what kind of market we will be selling to um, when this is all over, um, or at least this phase of it. Um, so, you know, I think we have to kind of wait and see. Um, it's a very expensive endeavor for us to print a magazine um, as an independent media company. Um, we have virtually no advertising, um, and every single edition of our magazine has been uh, printed, you know, through people supporting on an individual one-to-one -one basis. Um, so I think we, you know, we, like many businesses, are, are unsure about what this means for our revenue loss um, or, you know, our opportunity to, to maybe receive some subsidies from the government, but um, we are um, and have always been a very nimble um, organization, um, out of, which is born out of necessity. And um, I am actually feeling grateful for that in this moment that we haven't taken on any debt, um, that we've been able to, to form the company um, with, you know, not just the, the magazine, revenue as the the primary or the sole driver of the work that we're making or the work that we're able to do but just a part of it um and so we we're bracing ourselves uh for the correction um but i don't feel that um our ability to tell stories will be compromised by this and um the fact that we'll be able to continue to make work especially when it feels more urgent and important than ever is a huge privilege um, that I'm feeling really, really grateful for in this moment. I actually feel very optimistic about your odds in the new economy. Oh, well, thank you. I like to hear that. Why is that? I think because you've been telling stories about people who are vulnerable, about people who are marginalized, about people who don't get the spotlight. I think you're well positioned for the moment. I think the appetite will be there. I think people's hearts have been cracked open to something new. I think people are, are seeing truths they didn't see before. I think there's going to be a desire to go deeper, to hear stories with empathy. You can sort of see the mainstream media coming into your lane a bit more anyway. They're reading Stephen Satterfield. They've been reading you, I, I think, since the Civil Eats days. I hope so. Um, thanks for saying that. I, I share in your optimism, um, if not for our own um viability just um in in the moment that we're in um you know we have so much historical evidence that human beings and our country in particular um is really an immovable object when it comes to radical social action until shit has completely hit the fan um which is where we are right now um and i don't think that in my lifetime i've ever um, you know, been a part of a moment like this. Um, so I, I do, with all of the tragedy of the moment, um, I, you know, I, I feel somewhat rooted to history. Um, and I feel that, that, um, that, that connection and that narrative gives me the confidence that this moment can actually be a transformative one. Um, and, you know, if the media, if food media is growing more empathetic, um, of course, that would be a wonderful outcome. I am so deeply skeptical um, about food media with obviously no disrespect to my 
innumerable friends who are and you know make up this industry um it's not a commentary on them it's really just a commentary on not our industry but all industries which are just rooted in um you know forms of capitalism modes of capitalism that just aren't sustainable so uh for instance we now see more people using their phones than ever we see uh writers and media outlets getting better web traffic than ever, paid articles being more shared than ever. And yet the same publications are announcing layoffs, consolidations. And so it's a really disorienting and really disheartening moment for people in media because we see that we have a, a captive audience who's consuming our work, our work feels and actually is more important than ever um and yet there's no business model underlying to to support that and it's hard to accept because we're like not even a month into this thing right so i understand if the advertisers jump ship you know they're scared they're spooked the markets are scared okay so you see drastic consolidation over the course of a month like does that mean that people immediately have to start being fired you know, how, like, they don't even have enough money to wait and see what the offers from the federal, for all the bureaucracy to take course. I mean, we're not asking, we're asking this of, of our individual taxpayers, which is burdensome, but of, of multi-billion dollar corporations, of publicly traded corporations, of legacy media companies that have weathered 150 years of business, including a pandemic already, like how is it that they start laying people off when we're two, three weeks into this, you know? So I, I'm disheartened um, when I look at the overall landscape of food media um, and media in general, um, but I do, I do hope that your sense that um, the appetite for a more empathetic uh, message um, is right. I hope you're right about that. I'm disheartened too. You see the same thing in media that you see in restaurants, all the weaknesses, all the other cracks. It's all revealed. There isn't much scaffolding. There's no security. In the good times, you don't see the cracks so visibly. Part of the optimism comes from the fact that people like you are looking for new ways to build systems. I didn't think we'd be talking about media economics, but I'm, I'm fired mm -hmm. up about it. I'm fired up. But I want to switch it up and talk about empathy. We're living in this moment that's just a tidal wave of feelings. Yours, mine, everybody's. It's palpable. Feelings are everywhere. My question, how big is the heart? How big can it get to absorb all of this? How are you going to be right now? Yeah, I mean, the heart is uh, is an ever expanding organ. You know, there it's it has unlimited capacity for expansion, um, and the expansion comes with uh, an investment in empathy, and um, that's the really beautiful thing about an investment in empathy is that um, the returns are are endless. Um, so. What does that look like for us? You know, I've been talking about empathy from day one of Whetstone. Um, you know, we came out of the gate talking about um, food as a vehicle for expanding human empathy. Um, 
And I know it has been written about and I have seen people that I know and love and respects ideas about this way of thinking, which are, um, you know, pretty, uh, well, I, I mean, I think for some people it's, it's a reach in that, um, you know, we see that we have a racist president in the United States. And we see that the support for the president, both in government and among our um, fellow citizens, is unchanged, no matter what happens. Um, and so, you know, it's hard for empathy to live in a world where it feels like it can't change anyone else. Um, and so I actually, I'm not suggesting that that is the way in which food can change people. What I'm suggesting is that there are, um, there is an ability within food that exists only with food and that is unique to food and that is our only shared experience among all human beings. It's all we got. I'm not talking about oxygen or anything like that. I'm talking about eating and ritual, ceremony, memory, tradition. These are all things that all of us are born of and rooted from. We don't have anything else that is like that. And so it's not about trying to say, well, if you eat this dish, you will become less racist. The empathy is about an opportunity to expand empathy or i'm sorry the, the 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 food is about an opportunity to expand the co the capacity for empathy there's no assurance that there will be an arrival just because we've shared a meal together but the moment of stillness around a dish whether we're sharing it at a table or whether i can just get your attention to talk about food in a way that is familiar to you, that is in relationship to an experience that you had, because I might not be able to talk to you about anything else. You know, I know that was maybe um, a, a mouthful in defending the, the role of empathy in food, but I really do see it as central. Um, I've always seen it as central. I'm actually not jaded about the capacity um, for food to change the world. Um, and I think once we move beyond the like uh, conversation of empathy into food as something that is uh, more functional um, in creating the society that we want to see on the other side of this. So whether we're talking about um, our desire to have different health outcomes, especially for marginalized communities, if we're talking about a desire to have better working conditions, more transparency in the food systems, we don't want to have the same scares that we saw in the, the supply chain of empty grocery stores. We don't want to have the ignorance about the fact that we're not running out of shit and we shouldn't be hoarding it. I mean, there are all these different things that have been exposed as a result of COVID-19 where I, food is actually central to helping us make the society that we all want to see on the other side of this. I happen to think that it's most central in the way of empathy um, being uh, a point of entry for all of us. 
But if that's not a resonant argument for people, I think what's a lot more clear is that it's impossible to talk about how we repair society without talking about the role that food has in any of those various ways. It's all true. You, you see it playing out over social media with everyone cooking together. It's not a flex. It's a very earnest way of saying, I'm trying to connect with you over something. I'm trying to connect with you over something I think you understand too. Been really heartening. It's been a surprising, um, also the humanizing of, of chefs, you know, um, I think there's kind of, there's this immediate over uh, correction for all of us who have been reading about chefs in magazines and on the internet um, and as celebrities or maybe seeing them on camera only through uh, a really expensive lens. And now we're seeing them in their home kitchens through their partner's, uh, you know, iPhone camera or perhaps a camera that they've set up themselves. Um, so I think it's been really humanizing I think it uh, has been revelatory and a good reminder for me even that a lot of the people who are in this industry just love food and cooking. I know I do. Um, I felt so comforted by uh, being at home and cooking meals. I felt so grounded in that. Um, and uh, I agree with you. Like As I see a lot of chefs who have turned to social media who are now basically de facto cooking show hosts, um, I see it in part as a public good, but as just a really earnest um, expression of, of love of the thing that they like to do and of a love language um, for many of them is like the only one that they know. Our show is called Takeaway Only, Stephen. What's your big takeaway from being a storyteller and a creator in this moment? Yeah, um, my big takeaway in the moment is that, um, you know, my ideas about this moment are not yet fully formed. Um, and I have to keep reminding myself of that every day because I feel the urge to um, make sense of what's happening around us. And I don't think that we as, as humans um, have the tools to really properly understand the scope of what's happening around us. So. Um, you know, what I have committed to doing is just bearing witness, you know, to just a kind of stillness that um, is unafraid to look at the news, um, you know, and to really make uh, space for that in a way that's mindful. Um, and when it's time to turn it off, uh, just reflect back on that, whether it be through media, through my own writings, um, whatever I'm experiencing in that moment. You know, I think the notion that this is something, um, like everyone keeps talking about, well, you know, when, when things get back to normal or when, as soon as we beat this thing, I'm like, guys, this isn't like, this isn't a faucet here. You know, there, this isn't going to be a, a circumstance where we just like walk out of our doors and on July 1st and things are, are the way they were. So, um, I think knowing that has made me feel a little bit liberated from um, the need to kind of define the moment or have any kind of uh, epiphanies around the moment. Um, and in fact, I think that space has actually allowed for me to be um, a better listener and observer um, in the moment. And, uh, you know, I think one day 
years from now, once we have the ability to look back on um, our cumulative thoughts and ideas and chronicles from the moment, will we really be able to start to make sense of what's happened? I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. You too. Thanks. That was Stephen Satterfield. You can follow him on Instagram at I saw Stephen. That's Stephen with a PH. You can learn more about Whetstone and the Point of Origin podcast at www.whetstonemagazine.com. Please support and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Peoples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back tomorrow. This is Takeaway Only.